like Denver's a beer city and Utah has, well, Utah alcohol laws. I'm going to segue myself into the Buccaneers. If there's three things that are guaranteed in this life, it's death taxes and the Vikings will beat the Saints in the playoffs. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Expansion Buddies podcast. I am your co-host, Justin Wright, and I'm joined today by the one, the only, the rock-solid Jared Miller. How are you doing today, Jared? Uh, I'm doing all right, Justin. A uh, little bummed because, uh, as you know, only one of our teams is still in the playoffs. But true, I'm all, I'm all right. I'm you know you talking me up when you introduce me definitely brings up the mood. So I'm doing pretty good. Well, I'm glad to hear it. I I do what I can. Yeah. So let, with that, you know, let's. Do we want to just jump right into this? Should we Should we talk a little bit about our weeks or? Should we just jump right into the NFL? Yeah, tell me about your week. I feel like we don't we don't talk about uh, oh, ourselves man. as much as we so, should. As I was telling you, I I got home about fifteen minutes ago from from school, uh, and we jumped right into this. It's it's been a long week at school. It's been a lot going on. We're ending our semester, and the way our we're teaching this year is it's kind of a modified block. So we're teaching half of our classes this semester for a year's worth of credit, and then. Next week, we're switching and starting our other half of our classes. So there's a lot to get done right now. Yikes. Yeah, that uh, I, I understand what you mean when you said it's been a week now, only on Wednesday. So we're halfway through the year, but all the kids have the end of the year attitude right now. Oof. oof. Also, to any of the students listening, you didn't hear that. <laughs> uh, speaking of your students, you just a few minutes ago told me a very funny little story i guess you could call it off the air about uh one of your students texting you with some big news today yeah so during my last period i had a student jared and another student that found out during class all separately tell me did you hear that james harden got traded to the nets um because i have been very open about my thoughts about james harden and james harden if you're listening i'm sorry dude if james Uh, harden's listening i think uh i think we're uh (laughs) in the big time Here's the headline: James Harden starts beef with small time podcast. <laughs> yeah, you and are Kyle the- Mitchell right now is cracking up. I can hear it already. Yep. Uh, yeah, you weren't exactly thrilled about the James Harden trade to your Brooklyn Nets, and I honestly can't say as I blame you, but you you go first. So, I respect James Harden's ability as a player, but ultimately, he is a a player that wants to be a star. He has the ability but he wants to be a star. He wants to be the center show in my opinion. And as anybody that's played basketball will tell you at the end of the day, your individual skill doesn't matter. It can't be a one man show. It is a team sport. And I mean, there's been reports out of uh, the Rockets that he didn't play super well with others. Um, There's been plenty of reports that he didn't play well with Russell Westbrook. Yeah. You know, it's been just a, I mean, it's been a real rough go of it at Houston at the end here. You know, I think their loss to the Lakers the other night just kind of was the catalyst that really got this trade moving. Uh, He was not happy there. He made that pretty clear before that loss the other night. He made it very clear after the loss the other night. Their relationship with Harden and the Rockets was just beyond repair. I think everyone knew it was going to happen at some point that he got traded. Uh, I don't know if many people knew that necessarily would be to Brooklyn. I mean, I know that that was a name that was being tossed about, 
So I, it wasn't super shocked, I guess. But the reason I'd be more cautious of this, I guess concerned as if I was a Nets fan, is because now they have three superstar players in James Harden, mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. That's great for the product on the floor and for the actual you know, X's and O's of the basketball of this. But three superstars, whether it comes sooner or later, I feel like is going to lead to three superstar egos. That's exactly it. There's now a lot of ego in that locker room. There's a lot of big personalities in that locker room. You know, and that's, we've seen this before on teams that look quote unquote stacked. Um, There's a lot of the same talk when Odell Beckham went to the Browns. They didn't think that him and Baker and Jarvis Landry could all coexist in that locker room. I think that we've seen now that that's, that's false. And unfortunately Odell Beckham, I think has gotten kind of a short end of the stick here. This past couple of years, he's had a lot of undue attention thrown his way, I think. Yeah, well, and then if you just want to look at the financial side of this too, I mean, this is going to be a huge, huge hit to the Nets payroll. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, to have those names on their roster. And again, it's great for them right now. Like I could see the Nets being a team that this, this might be what puts them over the top to go to the finals in the East this year. Mm -hmm. But I'm worried about the long-term effect of this. What's this going to do to them down the road? Because we've seen it in other sports and football, it makes me think of my own Seahawks and all the talent we had in the 2013 season when we won the Super Bowl. But then, you know, after that kind of success, everybody wants paid. It's not possible. And then things start to fall apart. You're, we're just talking about teams going into a win now mode. And I think the Nets, you know, not that long ago, they were basically the bottom of the barrel, utter obscurity. And then Jeremy Lin left because of that. And that whole narrative plays out. But they now have been to playoffs and, and sniffed that postseason and they want more and they want to go into win now mode. I think yeah. looking to do, they're looking to go as deep in the playoffs as they can, as quick as they can. And you're right. They, they do want an immediate result right now on the court. And it's going to be really interesting because we've uh, talked about it on the show before Nets new head coach, Steve Nash, really not proven as a coach yet. Excellent, Mm -hmm. excellent former player, of course. This is going to really test him, again, maybe not immediately, but down the road to see how he can keep a group uh, like this together, keep a mentality in a locker room together. Well, yeah, I'm interested to see how well he corrals all these big names. Yeah, because that's a really good word. They're going to need corralled. You know, Kyrie Irving is kind of already, you know (laughs) – going a little bit haywire it seems like uh yeah the nets as a team right now real early in the season they're six and six as we speak uh played some really exciting basketball in this early season i think they're going to be a fun team to watch and the addition of harden only makes them more fun at least for now like i said i'm i'm more interested to see what this team looks like a year two years down the road though or what the situation looks like i would uh you know, venture to bet that not all three of these guys are going to be there in 2023. I would agree. Um, And I think it's just like anything in sports, you know, a lot of times it's a wait and see game and see, you know, does this work out? Is, is this a gamble? You know, cause I think signing any players a gamble, you don't know if they're going to get hurt, if they're going to gel with the team, they're whatever. We've seen it a million times in sports. 
And, you know, a guy that works on one team might not work on another team. It's just as simple as that. And it's, it's either a gamble that pays off and pays dividends or it's a bust and you move on and you start looking to the next season. But speaking of trades, I want to talk about some NFL trade rumors. Okay. Um, the big one going around right now is Deshaun Watson. Unfortunately, we haven't had time. I've wanted to talk about Deshaun Watson for a long time now. Um, and I've kind of, we've kind of talked a little bit about it before. Basically, like, I feel so bad for him. Um, and actually, I don't want to do it today. I'd kind of like to spend some time uh, on a longer podcast. We'll have time in the offseason. <laughs> yeah, I, that's something I was going to say. In the offseason, really dive into a scenario. But right now, the big rumor is, that the Dolphins might try to make a play for him. Yeah, like I've, I've heard straight across the board, Tua for Deshaun. That's big. We'll say, yeah, it's huge. And initially, I I really don't believe it. I really think that's like, I think it's just talk to get clicks on articles and videos. But if you do think about it, while Tua did well this year, he is an unproven quantity. In his last year of college, he did get hurt. Um, there's been times where he struggled a little bit in games. I don't, I don't think that's a good reason. He is a rookie freaking quarterback for God's sake. But if you look at Deshaun Watson, he is a proven asset. He is proven how well he can play. And he is, I think, honestly, a good team around him away from a Super Bowl. If Bill O'Brien hadn't mismanaged and screwed the Texans up so much, I think, Last year when they went to the playoffs, had they had a competent coach, someone that wasn't an absolute buffoon, they would have gone to the championship or even the Super Bowl. Yeah. They had a lot of great pieces in play that were squandered. I'll tell you what, it's a, it's a rough time right now to be a Houston sports fan. You just lost your superstar in basketball. You might lose your two superstars in football. The Astros are their own mess. Uh, yeah the Astros are still paying for their crimes against humanity <laughs> like you said we'll delve into all that Deshaun Watson stuff deeper at a later date but yeah crazy times in the city of Houston as far as sports is yeah. concerned for sure and speaking of I feel like just with this NBA trade we should mention that one thing Houston got out of it because this was actually a four-team trade that involved James Harden it involved the Cavaliers the Pacers the Nets and the Rockets the Rockets do get Victor Oladipo from the Pacers. That's a pretty big name. It's no Harden level name, but uh, you know, so they still got something there. I, as a trailblazers fan, am happy to see that kind of superstar talent, get out of the West, get it to the East, give us a better chance. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, big time trade in the NBA that went down on Wednesday. That's about all I have to say about that though. Yeah. uh, I, I have been so caught up in, in football playoffs and riding my high right now that I let's just get into a, it. Let's yeah. Let you talk. Let, let's let you rant and rave about <laughs> your first Buccaneers playoff victory since the 2002 season. Let's hear it. Yeah. So I I've been ecstatic. That's I called you after the game. I could not stop smiling. I could um, hear I, it in your voice. I watched the entire thing, you know, start to finish. It was a great game. And I said this going in, I was nervous about playing Washington because I think they're a team that is better than their record. And I think they're also a team that, that 
can play up to their competition, and they definitely did that um, this past weekend. Freaking joke when he was backing up uh, Cam Newton that he called him Heineken. Oh, that, only... yeah, dude, that kid, though. From yeah. Heineke, I think. Heineke, yeah. He played amazing. And one thing that I don't like from that game is the announcers, every time he took the field, this kid is just doing amazing. There's nothing more I can say about him. Just every single time. It's While I agree, he was playing incredibly and incredibly well. The same thing doesn't need to be repeated 12 times. He, I think, is definitely going to get some more looks for this next year. I don't know... You know, we talked about kind of with the uh, Jalen Hurts start, you know, it is kind of hard to game plan for a quarterback that you've never seen in action. Regardless, though, he made good throws. He made good reads. At the very least, he's got a good football IQ. I don't know that he's a sustainable quarterback in the NFL. I, I haven't seen enough. Regardless, he played well. The Washington defense played pretty well. Ultimately, though, I, it's our, our O-line, the Buccaneers O-line, I think we really, really stepped up. Um, they kept Chase Young more or less contained. He wasn't as big of a threat as I initially thought. And speaking of, that guy, after that game, I have a lot more respect for him. He was really, really supportive of Heineke coming out. Uh, he was running up and down the field, cheering on, um, you know, doing the that's my quarterback point at his back. I, I've, I've got a lot more respect for him now. But yeah, that's that game, I, I was nervous going in, but it was a great game. It Both teams played some really excellent football. You know, there's definitely stuff the Buccaneers need to work on. Um, we suffered because we didn't have Devin White. I, I'm just happy, honestly. Yeah, uh, you should be, man. Like we just said, first playoff win in almost 18 years, something like that. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty, pretty noteworthy stuff. I would be ecstatic, too. But I am not because if you'll allow me to now – Absolutely. Complain. (laughs) The Seahawks did not show up to play the Rams. They were there physically, but that was about it. There was so much ugliness in that game. Uh, And I, I, first and foremost, I hand it to the Rams. They came to play. They flat out outplayed us in pretty much every facet of the game, except special teams. I'll, I'll rave about my special teams in a second here, but they, they just flat out beat us. And it should leave Seattle fans and more importantly, Seattle uh, front office and personnel and coaching with a lot of questions to face this off season, because there was a lot of things that were just flat out unacceptable in that game. And it starts with the play of our offense. I was texting a buddy of ours over at the get back guys, Kyle Brester, big Seahawks fan. I was texting him through the whole game and I told him toward the end of the game, Every single offensive player that played today needs to go apologize to every defensive player because it was our offense that cost us the game. Could not get anything going. And when they did, it was far too late. You know, there was, I think it was late in the first quarter, early in the second quarter. Jalen Ramsey was doing a really good job just bodying DK Metcalf up, keeping him pretty much contained. Wasn't able to do much. DK kind of had a little meltdown on the sideline. And I think it made Russ feel like he needed to force something to him. And that resulted in the worst pass I've ever seen Russell Wilson throw in his career. Easy, easy pick six on a screenplay that he was trying to get to DK. It was just stuff like that all day that doomed us. And I said it after the game and the football gods or the Seahawks must have been listening. 
I said that I think we needed to fire our offensive coordinator, Marty Schottenheimer. Uh, as of Tuesday, we did that. And that's, I think, a good first step. Our defense did step up in the game. Uh, they still let some not ideal things happen, but overall they did pretty well. I think all things considered, Jared Goff had to come back into the game after not being the starter because their backup, John Wolford, or I guess the starter that day, he got hurt with the head injury, neck injury, and then Goff had to come in. He was playing with that hurt hand. So our defense was helped a little bit by that, but end of the day, we got outplayed. And I think there's a lot of change that needs to happen this off season in Seattle. Now I am not one of these extreme, you know, doom and gloom fans right now that are saying Pete Carroll needs fired, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely not. I think getting rid of Pete Carroll right now would not be a good idea. <laughs> you know, you need some sort of stability. Like I said, getting rid of the offensive coordinator, good first step, re-signing general manager, John Schneider to a seven year deal. I think is also a good step because that's, what the Seahawks are really good at is the draft. I don't know. That was kind of my initial takeaways of the game. Very disappointing. Very, I don't know. It didn't surprise me with the way the Seahawks have played this year, but I was hoping to at least get out of the first round. And speaking of the Seahawks, I think there's some, con there's some similarities that you could draw between uh, Russell Wilson's play style, especially during parts of this year. And a man that we spent plenty of time talking about Carson Wentz. I think both of them, and, and speaking of people that have gotten fired, I'm glad that Doug Peterson is no longer in Philadelphia because I think both this, this past year and in the Eagles case, maybe a couple of years prior as well, there has been some good pieces there, but ultimately that off the offense in both case of the Seahawks this year, while very potent at times is held back by things like the O-line uh, offensive play calling things of that nature. And so both quarterbacks are forced to, and especially in the Seahawks case as well, the defense doesn't do any favors because if the defense can't stop anything, then the offense is just out there trying to play catch up all the time. You have these quarterbacks out here that are running for their lives in some cases, just trying to make things happen. And I think, like you said, Russell felt forced. And so instead of being able to take his time and, you know, maybe make some better throws, he felt like he was forced to then, put balls where he thought he needed them to get back in the game or get, get ahead. No, I, I agree. Yeah. He, you know, I don't think just Russ felt forced though. I think Pete did too. You know, I think Pete is such a, I think he misses the days of Marshawn Lynch so much where he loves to run the football and he tries so mm -hmm. hard. He tries that to make that our identity and Chris Carson's good. Don't get me wrong, but I think there was maybe only one or two first downs all game where we threw, like we ran every first down. And if I could see it coming, don't tell me Sean McVay couldn't. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a problem staying too loyal to the run game for too long. And there's just a myriad of problems. And my one bright spot, like I, I briefly mentioned earlier was our special teams hats off to both our kicker Jason Myers and our punter Michael Dixon Dixon had some amazing punts that he pinned inside the 10 five yard line he did everything he could to give the Rams bad field position and then Jason Myers hits two 50 plus yard field goals in the game still 
is one of only two kickers this entire NFL season that didn't miss a field goal. He has a franchise record 37 in a row right now made. So hats off to those two, but everything else needs some work. Yeah. Um, And as far as the running game goes, I think that's very much an older coach style of thinking because like we talked about this a little bit off the podcast, but I've seen the same thing with like Bruce Arians as well. That's a lot of times it's, run first down. And that's, I think it's just a very, you know, it's indicative of a different age in football where running backs were more so than anything, the, the stars of the team. And I mean, if you look back historically, how many first round draft picks or first round picks overall have been running backs. Oh and that's yeah. Who they were going after. Yeah. The NFL used to be such a run heavy league and now it's definitely become a, a very pass heavy league. Yeah. Um, in a mobile quarterback league. But I mean, if you look back at, not that I want them necessarily bring up OJ, but if you look back at when OJ was drafted, you know, he was a Heisman winning tailback that everybody wanted, mm-hmm. you yep. know, that's, and that's, I think something that a lot of coaches still hold on to is that that run game dominance. And when you have players like Marshawn Lynch and you have players like Christian McCaffrey Saquon Barkley that are just dominant running backs you can do that but the Seahawks don't have no like I said Chris Carson's good but he's not that level obviously and the run game the run first attack also does not work when you're behind by 10 or behind by 14 or whatever so it was you need to be able to switch up your play styles and be exactly exactly it was just frustrating not shocking by any means just frustrating i still think that we're a talented team and that's what's frustrating about it is because i know we can play better because i've seen it and i don't know i i hope that in the draft where pete carroll and john schneider really shine i hope they go after some offensive linemen we need some consistency there. That's also been a huge issue. Well, that's and another thing. You can't have a run first offense if you don't have a good offensive line. They nope. need to be able to make those holes. Yep. And so I'm I'm interested to see what the draft brings. And I'm also interested to see who we go after and pursue as our new offensive coordinator. I think that there's a lot of good names out there. One guy I've heard and I would actually really like because he come would come with from within the division is a uh, 49ers run game coordinator, Mike McDaniel. I think he would be a really interesting pickup for our next OC. I don't know. It, it's just, I don't know. We got a lot of time to talk about that stuff though. Uh, we still got four other playoff games that we haven't talked about that we yeah. talk about. We got four more to talk about all pretty yeah. interesting stuff um, to talk about. So you, you pick which one we, uh, well, let's go chronologically. Uh, it's the first one was the, Colts in the Indianapolis Bills. and Bills game. Um, I watched most of that game. I didn't get to watch all of it, but you know, it came down. Yeah, last possession. Yeah, the last possession. But what it came down to is, I think, I think honestly, the Colts defense just did not. I think they flexed more than they should have. Yeah, in some areas. And when you're going up against an offense like Buffalo's, it's a. Uh, it's it's rough. Josh Allen played out of his mind. I watched that game too. It was it was closer than a lot of people thought it would be. I think mm-hmm. you know. I think a lot of people, maybe us included, even kind of wrote the Colts off. 
going into that game. And it was only a three point game when all was said and done. And I think that speaks to the veteran that is Philip Rivers. Now we've talked about his struggles in the postseason for sure, but I think just that having that veteran presence behind center helped keep the Colts in the game, steadied the heads when things got rough. Uh, but there at the end of the day, the bills were the better team and we kind of knew they would yeah. be, they just flat out, you know, they just dominated in some areas of the game and they're moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I, I really like, if you don't watch him, he's got a really great YouTube channel. It's uh, that's good sports. He's a Broncos fan and does focus a good amount on Broncos, but he does sports news around the, around the NFL. Um, but I like watching his weekly recap videos and he has a great quote about the bills and what they've been doing where he just talks about like, Oh, last week of the season, you know, you're making playoffs, but you don't rest your starters. That's what champions do. (laughs) And you know, just things uh, from this game, you know, like, Oh, in this situation, they did this. That's what champions do. It's, it's really good. It's really funny analysis as well, but yeah, um, I, I do think it's a great way to reference the Bills right now because that's they're doing things that champions do, and that's I I fully expect to see the Bills in the championship round and potentially the Super Bowl. I'd really like to see the Bills in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that'd be exciting. Um, um, I've said it before. I think the Bills are the only team in the AFC that can really compete with the Chiefs. I f- do think the AFC championship will probably be Bills Chiefs. Uh, we'll get into that a little later, I guess. But yeah, Buffalo, you know, moving on as they should be, as many expected they would be. Uh, the next game in order was my game. We talked about that. Then your that was game. my game. We talked about that Sunday morning. The Titans and the Ravens round three, kind of like I predicted. The Ravens finally got the better of them. Yep, I watched part of this game, and I think. I think the Titans really got maybe should have done something different during the Green Bay game because I think that kind of like we talked about, I think that gave the league a video on how to beat them. Just even though there was snow and it was Lambo and yada yada yada, stuff Derrick Henry at the line, just play the run game hard and force Tannehill to try and beat you with his arm. Because at the end of the day, Tannehill, yes, is an NFL quarterback. He's a good quarterback. But with his injury and time out of the game, he's not the most experienced quarterback. Um, And he currently is not at that elite level in the NFL, in my opinion. And you can call me out on Twitter. I'm more than happy to hear it. I think forcing Tannehill to beat you with his arm is the way to beat the Titans. Yeah, well, and just the numbers will tell you that. Tennessee had 51 total rushing yards. Well, Baltimore had 236 Tannehill himself had 165 passing yards, one touchdown, but one pretty untimely interception at the end of the game. And Derrick Henry, the Ravens held him to 14 or 40 yards, excuse me, on 18 carries. They Mm -hmm. shut him down more than Green Bay even did. But you're right. The Packers gave everyone a blueprint on how to beat the Titans. And I, I think a part of it too, like I said last week, just the revenge factor. The Ravens were just flat out sick of losing Tennessee. And I think Lamar was sick of not winning playoff games. And I think that all just culminated in the Ravens weren't going to leave Nashville without a win. 
And I, I, I enjoy watching the Titans play football, but it was clear who the better team was on Sunday. The Ravens, I'm not going to say they're Super Bowl worthy or, or not worthy, but caliber. Uh, but they, they, they outplayed Tennessee in the game that Tennessee likes to play. Yeah. Um, and I listened to a little bit of Lamar Jackson's post-game interview right after the game. And I don't remember who it was, but the reporter was asking, you know, Lamar, how do you feel after this game, after it being hyped up as such a uh, Lamar Jackson versus Derrick Henry game? And he's like, no, this wasn't a Lamar Jackson versus Derrick Henry game. This was, there's no individuals out here. This is, you know, we are a Ravens team. You know, he, I, I, he didn't put it that way. Exactly. That's not, not exactly his words. He was much more eloquent about it. Um, but I think that's, I think Lamar Jackson is kind of tired of that narrative, like of being that quarterback that has never won a, a playoff game that, you know, it's him, Derrick Henry, and he did something really good. He did not insult Derrick Henry. He said Derrick Henry played a good game. Yeah, that's probably a smart thing to do. Because <laughs> as we've seen, uh, maybe it's not a great idea to be just crapping on the other team because it might turn into a 24 nothing first quarter blowout. Yeah, uh, well, let's get to that one last if we're going in yeah, chronological yeah. order. But yeah, and well, I will, say, I will say this about the – titans and the ravens they built a pretty nice little rivalry over the last couple of years yeah i kinda like it i dig it it's good games when they play uh exciting storylines usually so i i'm excited to see what their future matchups look like but let before we get to the big brown steelers <laughs> uh whatever you'd want to call that sunday nighter let's talk about the nickelodeon extravaganza that <laughs> the was nickelodeon bowl let's talk the bears and the saints Gosh, what a unique game that was for the broadcast alone. Did you see any of the Nickelodeon? I didn't. I didn't watch it. <laughs> okay, well, I watched it on CBS. The I guess that's the, not Nickelodeon. No, 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 no. It's not the grown-up broadcast. But <laughs> I really like what they were trying to do actually with the Nickelodeon thing. You know, they were trying to reach a younger audience that really knows little to nothing about the game of football. I saw some highlights from that broadcast. They made it fun with the things they did. You know, they like lit up the red zone in bright colors to explain to kids like what the red zone is. And like when teams, well, when the saints scored touchdowns, uh, (laughs) they like put the CGI slime in the end zone, like Nickelodeon does. Uh, They made it a fun cartoony esque broadcast for uh little kids i guess and i thought that was really cool the other thing that was funny i guess is they let people watching that broadcast vote on who they thought was the they call it the nvp of the game the nickelodeon valuable player and mitch trubisky won in a landslide so (laughs) it tells you i guess what little uh some people watching that know about football but as far as the actual game and the x's and o's of it go no surprise here. The Saints are moving on. 21 to 9 win over the Bears, but the Bears scored their one and only touchdown literally as time expired. So it was even more of a dominant victory than what the score might show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it shouldn't be surprising to anybody. The Saints are a really good team, and the Bears are a team that many would argue didn't even deserve to be in the playoffs. And- I don't think they, they, meant to get into the playoffs this year i think they accidentally wound up there they did and they wouldn't have gotten in it if the playoffs hadn't been expanded to seven teams so 
what you had was exactly what you'd expect when a team like Chicago visits a place like New Orleans come playoff time. Uh, Drew Brees outplayed the Bears defense. I was honestly kind of surprised that the Saints only scored the 21 points, and I think they probably could have scored a lot more. Alvin Kamara, a couple touchdowns again. Saints rolling on, and the Bears, speaking of some uh, off-the-field news I read today, they plan on keeping both – they're keeping both uh, Pace and Nagy uh, because their director of operations had a meeting with both of them and said he's very impressed with what they were able to do this year. So they're going to keep him around for 2021. Yikes. I don't know. I don't know. Well, they've got a big question to answer at quarterback still. Uh, we're not here to delve into that right now. I don't know. All I have to say about Mitch Trubisky right now is uh, he's mediocre at best. And he's aren't not- you glad that the Bears traded up their draft picks to get him? Yep. Three to two. Picked him second overall. I don't know. They've they've got some stuff to figure out in Chicago. And then as far as the Saints go. I mean, there's been a lot of rumors circulating, nothing official yet that Drew Brees is going to call her a career after this postseason run ends, whenever it ends. So, well, I mean, that was even a rumor last year. And I think there, you know, there was a lot of debate on whether or not he would even come back. And I think the way they went out last year, he decided he needed to come back. But I, I, I really think that this coming weekend is going to be the last time that we see Drew Brees and Tom Brady play. And they are two of, you know, the, you know, they keep trading all these touchdowns and yards records. I think it's going to be the last time we see these two Titans clash. Yeah. Yeah. Very well. Could be right. You know, I've always liked Drew Brees. I think he's had an outstanding career. He's got the one Super Bowl. I know you probably won't like to hear this, but I, I would really like to see him get one more before he, before he calls it quits. If it was any other year, if it was last year, I would have agreed with you this year. <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't, I want the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl, Jared. Uh, I, I know you do. I know you do. Uh, if, if I, if it, was, if it was the same situation, Cardinals v Seahawks. And I was like, you know, Jared, I think Larry Fitzgerald really deserves that ring. Would you be like, you know what? You're right. I, you, I mean, I would agree that you're right, but I still couldn't root for it to happen. So how about this then? If we lose, we sign Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you take that up with the Cardinals and Larry and get back I'm, to me. <laughs> I'm kidding. Larry's not going to go ring chasing. No, no. I say as I call him by his first name like we're close personal friends. Oh, yeah, me and Larry, we go way back. Well, you and Cliff Kingsbury do, so you might as oh, well. Oh, well, Cliff's my homie. <laughs> anyway, let's get to the last game, the one that uh, really made a lot of headlines this weekend. The Cleveland Browns, they won a playoff game for the first time since the 90s. The Browns have won a playoff game. This is not a drill. This is not a joke. The Browns are going to the divisional round, and they did it in the only way that it should have been done. They beat their division rival, whom they had a 17-game losing streak in Pittsburgh. They snapped that on the very same night that they uh, won their playoff game, and so many things came together for Cleveland from literally the first play of that game. And I was going to say, you said that the Cleveland Browns winning a playoff game wasn't a joke. I was going to say, do you know what was a joke? The Pittsburgh Steelers that game. Absolutely. And we've talked about it before on the show. It kind of pains me to say the Steelers this year reminded me a lot of my Seahawks finished 12 and four, but we're kind of a fraud of a 12 and four team. 
and we saw that on Sunday night. The Browns absolutely outplayed the Steelers in every facet of the game. Big Ben looked like garbage out there. Four interceptions, four interceptions that I would argue are all his fault. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the Steelers, they didn't show up. Like I said with the Seahawks, the Steelers didn't show up against a division rival at home. And I think they might have been looking ahead already. You know, I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster even said last week, he's like, you know, the Browns is the Browns and it doesn't matter who they have. They're still the Browns. They're the same Browns team we always play. And, and then even after this, you had Claypool, their rookie, say something snarky about how the Browns are going to get smoked in Kansas City. And it's like, you know, this Steelers team needs just, they need to learn to shut their damn mouths. Okay. I'm sick of hearing from them. I'm sick of hearing about them. They're out of the playoffs. The Browns are moving on. I'm ha- so happy for Cleveland. I, I would love to be a fly on the wall during halftime and to hear what Mike Tomlin is saying to those guys. Cause I, it's, he has got to be so fed up with the immaturity of the way that team's acted this year. And I know there's been a lot of speculation, but I hope that is the last time that we see Ben Roethlisberger play football in the National Football League. Oh, it needs to. I He needs to retire. Whether or not you don't like him because of the way he's been playing, because of the rape allegations, he needs to go. Yep, 100%. I don't want to make this about the Steelers, though. Let's talk about the Browns, because this is a team and a fan base that has waited so long mm-hmm. for this sort of breakthrough. Baker Mayfield, I said it last week, that he was going to have an outstanding game and without, you know, and the Browns did this without a good chunk of their coaching staff that were all Mm -hmm. out of COVID protocols. I mean, they really had to exercise a lot of demons to get this done. They did. I think it's super cool just from a sports history standpoint, you know, and the announcers, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth kept saying it during the game. They were explaining it to the fan that maybe doesn't watch football all the time. They said, you know, you don't really understand how incredible what we're watching is. I think it shows an incredible amount of leadership on that Browns team as, as players. But the other thing, the main takeaway I had from that game, and I watched it kind of off and on. I had some spotty internet going on during it. That Browns defense came to play. They, they saw and took opportunities on that ball. I mean, first play, they got a freaking touchdown. Um, granted, Pouncey for the, the Steelers snapped that thing about 10 feet in the air. But if you watch that, I feel like the Steelers were like not prepared to go after that ball. That's they were pretty slow about it. Um, but the Browns defense, they jumped on it, got that touchdown. And every single time they saw an opportunity, capitalized on it if the defense hadn't already. Yeah. And that's what I was gonna say. The stat sheet won't show that Baker did anything, you know, super incredible. Like it was a pretty ho-hum game. Because he didn't have to do a lot, quite frankly. I mean, the Browns jumped up to a 28 to nothing lead at the end of the first quarter, which, by the yeah. way, is an NFL playoff record for the first quarter points scored. I mean, that Browns defense was on fire, and their offense wasn't too shabby either. It resulted in them scoring a boatload of points. And yeah, the Steelers came out of the second half a little bit fired up, but too little too late. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It was awesome. I loved it. I think most of America probably loved it. Browns are moving on. So yeah. the Steelers definitely came in half, came in after halftime. 
with more motivated to play. But, you know, Cleveland had such a commanding lead already that, yeah, they didn't do anything flashy during that second half, but they played, you know, conservative, smart football. They, they had a lead and they just worked to hold on to it. And then, you know, there near the end, they did, they did score another, another touchdown to kind of put the, the, the ribbon on the present that was their win. Yeah. They did what they had to do uh, at, in every phase of the game to win. And I think it's going to be a lot taller of a task this weekend. I guess with that, let's just get into, I guess, briefly previewing the four games we got this weekend. I guess we'll start with the Browns chiefs game. The Browns are going to meet the number one seed in the AFC, the defending Super Bowl champs on the road in Kansas city. It's a tall order, but stranger things have happened. True. I, I think it's going to be a lot better of a game than people think. The Chiefs this year have had some really ugly wins. Ultimately, they do pull away, but they've had a lot of close games. And if you look, most of their games against quality teams, playoff teams this year, have been really close and have come down to the fourth quarter or the wire. Yeah, so my question is, what what version of the Chiefs are we going to get? Because I see th- three versions that we could possibly see on uh, Sunday. I think they play Sunday. I don't know. Uh, Sunday. Yes. Yeah. So we could see the chiefs that, you know, put the boots to the Ravens in week three earlier this year on Monday night in the game that everyone thought was going to be the best game of the year. We could see that chiefs team. We could see the chiefs team that really struggled with the Atlanta Falcons a few weeks ago at home. And, we could also see the Chiefs team that was in the playoffs last year and surrendered a 24-point deficit to the Houston Texans before coming back to win. And I think if you fall behind to the Browns like that, this Browns team and that defense might not let you come back, even if you are Patrick Mahomes. So I don't know. I still think, you know, I, I have to pick the Chiefs, just logically speaking. I agree with you. I think it's going to be closer than a lot of people maybe will anticipate I think because it's something we've talked about before, the Browns are the underdog here. Like they were last week, they've got nothing to lose. And Baker Mayfield has a moxie about him that you combine that with the underdog mentality, man, that team's scary. Yep. And I mean, they've got that incredible one-two punch of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And I think we've seen before that the Chiefs can struggle a little bit against the run. And I think if they keep hitting them with those two, I think that's their their defense will will give a little bit to that. I think I, I hope it's a, going to be a good game. Yeah, I, I I hope it is too. I'm excited to watch it. You know, it feels like a very old timey NFL playoff matchup. Which I actually I say that, but the Browns and Chiefs have actually never met in the playoffs. Oh, really? So that's interesting. Little fact for you: three of the four matchups this weekend have never happened in the playoffs before. Really? Browns and the Chiefs, you guys and the Saints have never happened in the playoffs. And then the other one that's never happened is Baltimore and Buffalo. And then the last time that the Packers hosted the Rams was in 1967, and it wasn't even played in Lambeau Field. It was played in Milwaukee. (laughs) So a lot of these, all four of these matchups this week, uh, pretty rare as far as the playoffs are concerned. Uh, and, and let's just keep it in the AFC, I guess. What do you think of the Bills and the Ravens going at it? Uh, I think the Bills are ultimately a stronger team. I think they've got a stronger defense. Actually, it's it's mostly their 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 defense. I think both their offenses are fairly evenly matched in a lot of cases. 
Um, you know, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson are both okay to put their their pedal to the metal and take off if a play is breaking down and they see an opportunity. And Josh Allen especially is really willing to play that physical football. He's a big guy. I don't want to get hit by him. No, I've said it before to you, and I'm pretty sure I've said it on the show and stuff. I've said it to a lot of people. Josh Allen is deceptively athletic. Uh huh. I mean, uh-huh. watching their game against the Colts this last week, he did some things. It was like, how? Like, it just. Oh, did you? There was a touchdown pass where he was getting chased out of the pocket. He jumps sideways and launches a, a dime straight into the back corner of the end zone. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. It, he's, you know, he, he's just unbelievable. And I really like that kid. I, I think I agree with you. The bills are the better team. I, I would pick them this weekend as well. And honestly, this is of the two AFC games. The one I could see being more of a quote unquote blowout. Honestly, I could see the bills winning this one by a couple touchdowns mm-hmm. and the Ravens, they, they were good enough to beat the Titans, but the bills are a different monster. Uh, the, the formula for beating them is not quite as, you know, straightforward as it was for beating Tennessee. Yeah. Good luck with Josh Allen and that receiving core. That's I guess yeah. all I would say. I think after the way he's been playing this year, I think Allen, I just think he's also a quarterback that he's not willing to take a loss in the playoffs right now. I think he is going to play some really, I could see him. I could see this getting to be a really ugly match that, where Josh Allen is just going to dig in his heels and just push back against anything the Ravens throw at him. And I can see the same thing that same thing for the Ravens. I think it might be a really blow for blow kind of matchup. Yeah. You think it could be a shootout? I think so. Yeah. Um, it could be. So uh, let's talk about the other side of the, the yeah. world. Then. The NFC. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you want to talk about yours first? Yeah, sure. Um, while I was nervous last week, I'm even more nervous this week. Our first time we played the Saints, uh, the score was closer than the game actually was. And then the second time we met them, we got basically blown out. So suffice to say, I'm fairly nervous about this game. But as we've said before, true football doesn't start until the playoffs. And I, I don't know how it's going to be when these two teams meet. I, I think we need to, you know, we've got the best run defense right now in the league and if we can stop Camara that's a good start but our secondary is a little weak at times and we we need to figure a way to shut down Drew Brees and and we need to be more creative than we were against Washington defense wise we called you know a blitz almost all the time because we were playing a young unexperienced quarterback and we were trying to shut down that run game so we were working to make him throw the ball which is good, but when push comes to shove, we can't just let Drew Brees sling the rock around. I agree. I, that's a very well uh, well put because Drew Brees is not Heineke or Hineke. I feel bad. I Heineke. don't even know how to pronounce this kid's name. Uh, yeah, Drew Brees will tear you apart if you give him time to. And this is the game of the four that I could see being the shootout, you know. I could mm-hmm. see, you know, like we've already talked about, Drew Brees, this might be it for him. Tom Brady, you know, the fiery competitor he is. This could be a shot-for-shot, blow-for-blow, all the way to the last possession sort of game. Uh, to me, what's going to be an X factor here or a game changer is 
it's going to be if, if your team is going to pull this out against the Saints, it's you're going to need somebody who's not a big name guy to step up and do some big name things. You know, yes, everyone expects this from Gronk or from Mike Evans, but you know, I the the name that comes to me is Scotty Miller. Man, he oh, might absolutely. have. Absolutely, I was thinking the same thing. He might have to do some things in this game that is not normally asked of him, and that's that's what the playoffs bring with it. So I'm excited for your game. And, and also you never know what can happen when two division rivals meet for the third time in a year. Uh, that's always exciting too. I, I don't know. It's going to be a really good game. I'm super excited for it. And I'm yeah. as far as the NFC goes is except the Rams. I really don't have a problem with anybody that's left. So. Yeah. I will say um, I was going to talk about it earlier, but you were, or talk about it later, but with a shout out, um, Cameron Brait, you know, uh, I wanted to shout him out. He played some great ball. You know, he gets less time on the field now that we have Gronk. And, you know, especially at the beginning of the season when OJ Howard was was still healthy, he is, you know, out for the season because of injury. But he was more or less third on the depth chart at that point after being kind of our, our go-to guy for so long. And he he still comes out in there and he plays and he puts it all on the line and he had some great catches, you know, just some phenomenal catches during the Washington game. I respect the heck out of him. Um, I'm so glad he's on our team. I think he's a great asset and I think he's a better tight end. I've said this for years now. I think he's a better tight end than a lot of people give him credit for. I think he should be looked at by with a lot of respect from by a lot more teams. I was really worried we were going to lose him this year with Gronk coming in. I'm glad we kept him. And I I'm, I'm willing to bet that you're going to see his name eventually in a championship or in a Super Bowl game. Yeah. I really like great too. Uh, I don't know. Your game's going to be fun and it's going to come down to a guy like that. I think so. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Final game of the slate uh, Packers hosting the Rams the number one seed Packers Lambo is a tough place to play in the playoffs. Let me tell mm-hmm. you, I, I know cause the Seahawks have had to do it a time or two and they've never come out looking too pretty. Uh, I, I have to pick the Packers in this one. You know what the, Rams, Oh, absolutely. What the Rams did to us, you know, kudos to them, but we're not the Packers and Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind right now. I don't think the bye week is going to slow him or that offense down any Devonte Adams, you know, Jalen Ramsey's going to have to absolutely be on his a game again, like he was against DK Metcalf. Otherwise the Packers are going to shred him through the air. Uh, Aaron Jones, not too shabby on the ground either. The Packers just have so many ways they can hurt you. And that Rams defense, you know, tops of the league, but they're really going to have their hands full in this one. Sounds like Aaron Donald will play from what I've understood. You know, he got hurt in the game against us. Obviously wasn't serious enough to keep him out another week, but I wonder how healthy he is. He's still a beast, but uh, that Rams defense, they're just going to have their hands full. I think this game is going to be close to, I, I could, I see the Packers winning maybe by like seven or 10 somewhere in there, but uh, I, I just, I, I find it really hard to pick against green Bay in the playoffs at home. Yeah. Speaking of quarterbacks, I don't think you're going to take no for an answer right now. Aaron Rodgers. I think he is, I think he just is going to just keep going through the end of the year. 
Um, you know, even his bad games this year have not been bad games. You know, that's I'm, – I'm really impressed with how quickly the Packers have turned around. You know, last year I thought, you know, they had a good record. They weren't as good as their record, IMO. Um, they looked flat in a lot of games, coming away from games like um, – the, the 49ers? Yeah, looking just, you know, weak. And then coming away from teams that they should dominate, you know, barely squeaking with wins. That's not the case this year. They have been very scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna, I think, uh, I think the Packers are going to lay a hurt on the Rams this weekend. I sure hope they do, man. Just personally speaking, I can't, Oh, if the Rams won again, I don't know how I'd handle it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, some exciting playoff matchups again this week. Um, we're getting close to time already. Uh, we could talk about the playoffs for hours. It feels like, but before oh, yeah. we wrap up, I do have a question for you. You put it on Twitter after your win the other night against Washington. You put a poll up asking the fans what jersey you should get of the Bucks to commemorate the playoff win. And I believe most of the votes went for other and everyone named different jerseys. So who are you going yep. with? So uh, what finally sealed it is our friend Alex from the Get Back Guys um, actually liked your suggestion, which – do you remember who your suggestion was? Of course I do. Mike Evans. Yep. So I'm I'm going to be going with Mike Evans. You didn't go with the long snapper, huh? I didn't. Um, <laughs> there just wasn't enough support for him, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, you know, there's always next year, I guess, man. I'm considering getting a Jason Myers jersey. I've raved about him all season. I'm just hesitant to because last time I got uh, Seattle kicker, Stephen Hauschka, he was gone in a year. So... <laughs> That's unfortunately how it goes sometimes. Yeah, you sort of gamble, you take getting a jersey. So, all right, mm-hmm. Mike Evans, that's a that's a good choice. That's it is a good choice. Um, and you know he's just had a crazy good season. So maybe I, you, you know I. What if he goes and catches the game winner in the Super Bowl for you in your true. own stadium? Are you gonna get it in time for the Super Bowl if you guys go? Um, uh, yeah, it should. Should arrive. I've got to order it. Um, the plan is I'm going to order it this week. I've just been busy and I keep forgetting to click the checkout button. Fair enough. Um, We've all been there. So I plan on getting it this week and yeah, it should be here next week or after. Right now I'm still rocking the Jameis Winston jersey, which is falling apart a little bit. Yeah, well, it matches the man who once wore it, I guess. Ooh, Not you. Not you. I'm talking about Jameis. <laughs> maybe maybe he'll end up playing in the game against Ooh, us. that'd be interesting and make for an interesting storyline uh yeah i don't know uh you already gave your shout out i have to give mine real quick yeah uh, it's a begrudging shout out i don't like doing it uh i have to shout out the alabama crimson tide absolutely dominant performance in the national championship on monday night they took out ohio state with relative ease goes to show two things first off not only how excellent their offense was this season and what kind of a coach Nick Saban is it's his seventh national championship sixth with Alabama but it also goes to show how flawed college football is Um, that we can see this coming from a mile away is not necessarily okay and I'm not I'm not trying to belittle what Alabama's accomplished because they I really think they were the best team in the country this year but I also read where this was the least watched national championship 
for a long, long time, maybe ever. And I think it's because a lot of people knew what was going to happen. And something needs to change as far as that's concerned. I think no matter what kind of playoff format you would have put out this year, Alabama would have probably came out on top. Yeah, I don't know. Lots that needs to change there. But congratulations to Alabama. Uh, another one for the trophy case. I believe this is the school's 18th claimed national title in their program's history. Uh, unbelievable stuff out of them. I just don't like seeing them win. It's like they're a powerhouse. Yeah, the Patriots of college football. But, yeah, that's my shout-out. Uh, not the happiest shout out I've ever given, but I felt like I needed to mention it. So I don't know. Do you got anything else? Any, any fun, happy things to end on anything at all? Um, I'm, I'm excited for the games this weekend. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, yeah. It's, I don't have any other shout outs that I can think of. I'll probably think of one afterwards, but I think that's about it for tonight. Um, remember you can always follow us on Twitter at the, expansion bu1 uh we put polls out quite often we're trying to engage with you guys um we'd love suggestions too on anything that you guys would like us to talk about um you know coming with the nfl offseason there will be more time for us to do maybe some outside things we're looking to start doing some hopefully some youtube videos coming this offseason so um look forward to that if you like if you want to see our beautiful paces (laughs) um now you're being generous now you're being generous well, just to me. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> um, um, you know, thanks for listening. Um, again, we publish every Thursday, um, on Spotify, iTunes, Google play, all that jazz. I think we're on Google play. At least I haven't really checked. <laughs> we should be, um, Last... we should be, we're signed up to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you. Yeah. So, never forget, party like it's 1976.